0: Oh boy, it's a two-parter. What's up, Craig Hoffman? Thanks for checking out the Best of Podcast. Really appreciate you doing so. In this edition, me, talking about all kinds of things. From Colin Kaepernick to the NFL versus NBA player salary comparisons to real things real people said in real microphones, which is goofy and fun. All of the interviews in part two of the Best of Podcast, it'll be Kevin Arnovitz, it'll be Tim Bontemps, Neil Greenberg, Lorenzo Alexander, Uh, All kinds of good stuff there. There's just so much good stuff that I wanted to give it to you in two parts. You can listen in multiple settings for your listening pleasure. And you can listen starting right now. show on 106.7 fan. You can tweet the show at Craig Hoffman, C-R-A-I-G H-O-F-F-M-A-N like Cory did. Corey screenshotted the Merriam-Webster's uh, summarization definition and said, yep, it's a word. Thank you, Corey. And he did that affirmation this morning because I was doubting myself. Uh, <laughs> here's what I want to talk about in this segment, and I would like to talk about this for multiple segments if you all are so inclined, on the phones at eight hundred six three six one zero six seven. Went on a multi-tweet stream yesterday about this. Um, as I saw a bunch of tweets from people, football players, football writers, uh, I saw some stuff from Lisa Kearney of ESPN who's married to a former NFL player, Patrick Kearney. She was tweeting about this stuff. It's so like, it's personal to a lot of these people, and I don't want to. I don't want to unpersonalize it because we're talking about human beings here. But this idea of comparing what NBA players and NFL players get, and that somehow because the NFL is more popular and makes more money, that this is unfair. A couple of points I would like to make, any or all of which you are free to disagree with. Uh, Was well, I should say there how how uh, you're know, feel free to disagree with the facts because they're facts, but how we interpret them and, and utilize them in this argument by all means. eight hundred six three six one zero six seven. 636 Uh point number one is that welcome to planet earth when it comes to salaries, life is not fair in the American economy, in the world economy, fair is is subjective to start with because what is fair is fair have to do with value that you generate is fair have to, in terms of money or what about worth because i would argue as i think most people would that the work that teachers do is worth more than what they are paid even though it creates Very little monetary value because the point of education is not to make money. It's education. Now, in more capitalistic settings where the point is to actually make the money, like in the NBA and the NFL, because these are businesses, even though the point is to win. But the point is also to make money. Yeah, sure. How much money the league generates should influence salaries of the those involved but it does which brings us to point number 2 the NFLPA has i want to say roughly 1200 members let's see let's let's pull out the calculator and actually do this i know it's over a thousand there are 32 NFL teams times we'll we just even use 50 30 man rosters that's 1696. 1696 players. Then so let, remember that number. EA Eric Arnold on the 1s and 2s this morning. 1696. Got it? You got it. All right. So that is if you just count the 53 men active rosters. You add in the practice squad players. I believe there are 7 per team. 60 times uh, 60 man roster times 32 rosters. That's 1920. Okay. Now, if we want to also get into some of the money that is paid to players uh this time of year that never make a game day roster, there are minimal uh guarantees that go to guys on 90-man rosters, and now we're talking peanuts compared to the money that that actual NFL players are making, but 90-man rosters times 32 is 2,880. What was that first number, 1696? 1696. So you're looking somewhere between 6, 1,696 and 2,880 players to split up the massive amounts of re- revenue that the NFL makes. You want you to know how many guys play in the NBA? It's, it's 450. So even if we take the smallest number, 1696... That's right, 1696. 1696 minus 450. We're talking about 1,246 more players. More players in the NFL. Now, if I tell you you could have a large pizza split up, but we got to get 1,246 more slices in. Or you could have a piece of the medium pizza. Which way do you think you're going to have more pizza? think I'm going the medium. Yeah! Eric's smart about pizza. So, first of all, we're dealing with a numbers game here that isn't in the NFL players' favor. And then we get into some more nuance here. So, that point's going to be a lot harder for you the fan who thinks NFL players should be getting more to disagree with. There is simply a math element here that is hard to overcome. Now, if we want to talk about the revenue splits, how much the players make, how much the owners make, sure, but those are collectively bargained. If you're the NFLPA and you're mad about it, do better at the bargaining table. You got to have fortitude. You got to be willing to, to strike. Most NFL guys aren't really open to that because most NFL contracts or most NFL players, average career, about three years. And it takes more than that to become a vested veteran where you get a pension. Like, it's tough business, NFL. Then we get into some more nuanced stuff. Again, Craig Hoffman with you on 106.7 The Fan. The difference between NFL and NBA money we are discussing. Uh, We've discussed the math element. We've discussed the fact that life is not fair. That That was a big lesson in my household when I was a kid. But mom! Shut up. Life's not fair. Thanks, ma. Good lesson. There's also the marketing aspect. The NBA, since the 1980s, when guys named Magic Johnson and Larry Bird came around, has been a league that markets their stars. It is a star-driven league. 1990s was driven by Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing and Akeem Olajuwon and Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan. Then there was kind of this gap where you're trying to figure out, oh, God, and it was kind of a dearth for the NBA. And then Kobe Bryant really came into his own and uh, as a superstar in the league. And LeBron uh, obviously came along in 2003 and has carried the league in many ways since. But now you have all kinds of star power in the league. You have James Harden and Russell Westbrook and Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant. And Carlo Anthony is still a relevant star. And you got really great players like John Wall who are seen as secondary. Uh, Mike Conley should be a star in Memphis, but he plays in Memphis and he's kind of not the most exciting flashy guy. And so like, but he's a really good player. Like the depth of talent in the league is incredible in the NFL. The players don't matter to the marketing. The players don't matter at all. If I tell you the Redskins and the giants are playing on Sunday, I could sneak out there at wide receiver and you would still watch. You'd be like, man, Who's that guy who doesn't look as big as the other players? He's, he needs to put on some weight. And he's not very fast. For, by NFL standards, I'm like a 4'8", four, four 40. I think I can get it down to a 4'6", some, some work. But you'd be like, not, not up to NFL standards, but let's go Skins. That's how it's been for years. The rivalries matter. In the NBA, the rivalries shift with the players. Cleveland and Golden State have no business having a rivalry, except for they're the two best teams, driven by three of the seven best players on earth. LeBron, Steph, and now Kevin Durant. It doesn't make sense. But the regional rivalries, like Chicago-Milwaukee, nobody cares. Atlanta-Charlotte, nobody cares. D.C.-Philly, nobody cares. I'll care now. The Sixers are going to be
1: fun.
0: Talk about that in the next hour. But we're just getting started on, on the differences here and why this is, quote-unquote, unfair and why I think that's babushka. And I got a great example I want to get to next of all in one, the the proof of why NBA players, despite the fact that their league doesn't make as much, are worth more. That's next. I'm Craig Hoffman on the fan. It's a random Tuesday night in January. Take one. There's like five of them. The Cleveland Cavaliers are playing in... Insert city here. Preferably west of the Mississippi. A city they'll only play in once. It's their fourth game in five nights. LeBron James is tired. Because he's 32 years old and has played 50,000 minutes in the NBA. More than Larry Bird, Michael Jordan... Charles Barkley played in their entire careers. He's on his way to his seventh straight finals. And so, so he decides to take the night off. The league immediately freaks out, goes into existential crisis. We have a problem. What are we going to do? Rewind a month before as the NFL season comes to a close and the Houston Texans are on their way to the playoffs without J.J. Watt. Nobody bats an eye. Watt is hurt. It's not his fault. But no few less people in Houston are watching. No few less people around the league are watching. Quite frankly, nobody cares. In fact, the argument being made is, do the Texans even need J.J. Watt? And this is why NBA players are worth more than NFL players. I'm Craig Hoffman with you here on 106.7 The Fan. We're discussing that because as NBA free agents sign, and we'll get into those who signed and what I make of the deals coming up in the next hour of the show, some deals I really, really like that got made. But NFL players freaking out, or NFL people around the league, and this happens every year. I can't believe how much these NBA guys sign up for. I'm going to teach my kids to play basketball, as if it's that easy. And we talked about a couple of reasons of the simple math that there are 1,200 more NFL players than there are NBA players. And, but, but there's the star aspect of driving the marketing and the importance to the game and how blatantly obvious it is when a star is missing on an NBA court versus an NFL field outside of the quarterback position, is really the crux of this argument. It's not just that there is more money to go around per player. It's that the players have such a greater effect on the league. And when you look at the star players, and a lot of this angst came yesterday as well, when LeBron himself tweeted that Steph Curry is underpaid as the Warriors franchise, when Joe Lacob bought it, was worth 460 million dollars, and now is worth 2.6 billion, in large part to what Curry, or in large part thanks to what Curry has done, along with his teammates, of course. But he has been the two-time MVP. He is the ultimate showman that makes that team what it is, from a fun to watch, easily consumable, must-see TV standpoint. And LeBron said he should be signing for $400 million, not $200 million. And it's hard to disagree. Because if I tell you the Warriors are on TV or the Warriors are coming to town and Steph isn't playing, there's a chance you go, eh, I'm good. Now, it's less of a chance now because they also have Kevin Durant. And I understand that Kevin Durant, specifically in this town, because he's from this town, is a, is a slightly different argument. But if I tell you the Cavs are coming to town and you can still go see Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, but LeBron's not playing, you're not going to be as interested. You're surely not going to want to pay as much for the ticket. I assume the same is true for the Warriors. If I tell you 50 bucks to go see the Warriors, EA, I'll, I don't know your finances. I don't know if 50 bucks is a lot to you. But I say 50 bucks to go see the Warriors, everyone's playing guaranteed. You going to pay it? If everyone's guaranteed to play, absolutely. You know absolutely. Steph, Steph, Durant, everybody. I would. I don't have
1: $50 to just throw around. His, all my jobs are part-time hourly. Yeah, I guess I'd, ha- I'd have to think about it for a second. But if everyone was definitely playing, then yes. If you get Durant but no Curry,
0: you going for $50? Mm, I don't I feel know. like that's right
1: on the line yeah, for me. Yeah, that's, that's right on the line. I went to a Wizards game a few years ago and the Heat were playing. I'd never seen LeBron play in person before it was toward the end of the season I was like this is my time I'm gonna see LeBron play didn't play that game and I was bummed out and I'm sure you were having some buyer's remorse too it wasn't just like oh man it's like man I paid for this ticket totally and no disrespect to the Wizards but that's why I went to that game so now let's change it up
0: and feel free to call and disagree 800-636-1067 is our phone number Giants Redskins I don't know if I have to pick a player here Odell Beckham's not playing for the Giants'll we'll even we'll stick it with the opponent like I feel like you'd probably be more upset if if someone if Jordan Reed's not playing because you care about the result right it's not as much about the show but we, we Odell Beckham's not playing for the Giants who is as close to a football version of Steph Curry highly productive super showman. Worth the price of admission to see him do the spectacular things that he does. Odell Beckham's not playing. I give you a $50 ticket to Redskins Giants. You still going? Every time. Don't think twice about it. Eli and Odell not playing. You still going? Every time. And that's why NFL players are not worth as much as NBA players. Because I have the same reaction, and I don't think Eric and I are two peas in a pod that can't be find can't be found anywhere else. The league literally goes into freaking crisis mode when LeBron misses one of eighty two games. NFL stars miss, nobody blinks. There's another problem here for the NFL in terms of the players and their own value. And that is that they don't try hard enough. And I hate to put it that simply. But it it would take fortitude. And it's not just amongst the group. Because on the whole, these guys are out there battling, obviously, on Sundays to earn their worth. And so many of them are just worried about staying on the roster. And that is kind of the point, too. NFL players, rank and file, are very replaceable. How often does a guy come out of nowhere and be an impact player in the league? You can find starters just as easily undrafted in the NFL as you can in the first round. It happens all, maybe not just as easily, that's disingenuous. But, like, there's a reason there's seven rounds of the NFL draft. You just need a bunch of dudes and you're throwing darts at the wall. And sometimes you find a guy in the first round who's awesome and sometimes you don't. And sometimes you have undrafted guys that you bring in and they turn into Will Compton's. Or your sixth rounder turns into Tom Brady. Obviously, Brady is more of an extreme example. But it's not unprecedented. You know who the best players in the NBA are? Top ten picks. By and large. Occasionally, you get get a whopper of an upset. Kawhi Leonard. Pick 14. (laughs) Steph Curry. What an underdog story. Seventh pick. Seventh overall. Underdog. Andrew Luck recently signed a new deal. If he went to the Indianapolis Colts and said, I'm not signing anything that's not 100% fully guaranteed. They probably would have been like, Huh, no. And then Andrew Luck would have said, no, I'm serious. You think they would have eventually given it to him? Versus letting him get to free agency? Because I think they would have. But no player in the NFL has ever had that fortitude. Because the game is so... Leaning... It's so easy to get hurt. So in many ways, what Kirk Cousins is doing is unprecedented. To bet on himself like this? It just doesn't happen. And until you have more guys like that? You're not going to see a change in the NFL. There's a story that no matter what time it's been, this NFL offseason, it's been a time to talk about, and it's one worthy of talking about because it's important, and that is that Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job, and it's not so much that a quarterback that was formerly in the Super Bowl doesn't have a job. We all understand that there's a lot more going on here, and this is one that typically people have some strong opinions about. So I fully expect the phones to, to go nuts, and some of you are going to be nasty to Eric when he, when, when you call and, and get him before you get to talk to me, and then you'll say stuff. And, like, cool. Like, if we can't have civil discussion, then what are we doing? Be nice to Eric. Just like, like poor PJ always hates when I do these segments. When, when PJ normally is, is sitting over there, and he just typically goes, I hate you. When we're done, and I go, sorry, we got we got to talk about this stuff. The reason we talk about it now is not because I'm bored and have nothing else to do. It's because the 49ers' general manager, John Lynch, uh, talked about it this week. And there's some good things that John Lynch said, and there's a really dumb thing that John Lynch said. First, John Lynch went out of his way this week to ensure that any reporting that comes out of the San Francisco 49ers building that Colin Kaepernick is not interested in playing football is false. It's it's stuff that he doesn't want uh, to be coming out. And so he went on Pro Football Talk with Mike Florio, uh, a show you can hear the best of before me on Sunday mornings, and said, that's not true. Colin Kaepernick wants to play football.
2: Well, you know, there there was uh, as part of, you know, we we allowed and Kyle and I made that decision along with Jed York, our owner, uh, to allow Peter King to come in here during our draft process. And part of that story, there was a quote. I think if you go back and read contextually, um, you know, it 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 made more sense to me. But, you know, part of the narrative that was created, you know how it works. Headlines coming out of out of quotes was that Colin didn't have an interest in playing football um, you know, I feel like that's part of my job is controlling what comes out of this building and to the extent that there was a perception uh that, that we were we were contributing to that Colin didn't want to play football uh, we wanted to put it into that. I've talked with Colin, and I told him that I felt bad that that, if indeed, that is contributing to that thought. And, you know, the one thing I knew from sitting with Colin, um, when we had our opportunity to sit down and he ultimately opted out, we had a great discussion um, that stuck out with me, is this is a guy who really is interested in getting back in this league and playing at the highest level. And I've talked to him since, and, and that very much is the case. So I want to put that to rest. Um, you know, I'm sorry that that came out of this but. Building. That's one of the challenges that I'm finding is, uh, is controlling the message that comes out of your building. There's so many people, and, you know, you, it's, it's hard to find because source is this, source is that. Um, but I didn't feel good about that, and I've talked to Colin, and that, that was what was more, most important to me, to talk to Colin directly and, um, you know, uh, let him know that that I I was sorry that that did and and that, you know, nothing else like that will come out of this building if I have anything uh, to do with it. And um, so that's that's where that is. We wish Colin the best. And I I can tell everybody out there, he very much is sincere in his interest to get back in this league. And I, I hope it works out for him.
0: That from John Lynch, frankly, is awesome. That Even if something like stuff happens in the course of conversation, especially in an all access piece, something gets said, there's not a full context, uh, or there is a full context, but then people take it out of context. I I think the media generally gets a bad rap for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Everyone always wants to claim people will claim that full quotes are out of context. You're like, no, no, no. That's what you said. You just don't like how it came off because you're an idiot. And that's, and, and now you're saying it's out of context. No. That's that's not how this works. Perhaps that was the case here. But the fact that whatever it is, John Lynch said, we have a problem here and that we seem to be causing Colin Kaepernick issues. And I'm not about that. I want to make perfectly clear. I'm going to go out of my way and give multiple interviews to people to say that Colin Kaepernick wants to play football and that we will not contribute to the narrative that he doesn't is good. That's full stop. End of thought. New thought. New interview. John Lynch on KNBR radio in San Francisco this week, said some of the same things, but also said something else that is incredibly troubling. I read now from the transcription in the Washington Post, quote, I would tell you with my conversations with Colin, he is fully committed to wanting to be in this league. I gave that opinion to Colin myself. I think you're having a little bit of an image crisis in terms of not so much what you did last year, but people are wondering, is this most important to you? At a position where the guys who succeed at the position are the guys who live it, breathe it, the CEOs at the position, and I think there's a perception that football is not at the top of the list. I think the way you would could best help yourself—again, this is John Lynch speaking, uh, at, or speaking of his conversations to Colin Kaepernick—I think the way you could best help yourself is not to have someone talk for you, not have statements— but go sit down and give an interview and let people know where you stand because he makes a compelling case as to how bad he wants to be in the league when you talk to him. End quote. This is so dumb, it is hard for me to put into words. For a number of reasons. First and foremost is, if you're an NFL team, Who wants to potentially sign Colin Kaepernick as a quarterback? Because you watch the tape and you go, man, this guy can play. He can help us either as a starter or a backup. And your concern that is keeping you from signing him is I don't know if he wants to play football. You're allowed to talk to him, he's a free agent bring him into your building and bleeping have a conversation. It's not on Colin Kaepernick to sit down with Oprah or whoever on network TV or on ESPN or on whatever network. Mike Florio and Pro Football Talk. uh, Me? I don't know why you sit down with me. I just have a radio show. If he wants to talk like Colin, come on. But It's not the onus on him and his PR staff to set up a freaking interview and that it shouldn't take a media interview for Colin Kaepernick to prove that he wants to play. He says he wants to play. He's preparing as if he wants to play. That is such a bogus excuse. That is exactly what it is. It is an excuse. It is not valid at all as to why a team will not sign Colin Kaepernick because, again, If that is actually their concern, which I don't believe for a second, then one, they haven't been paying attention to everyone around Colin Kaepernick, such as his former coach, uh, Chip Kelly, Eric Mangini, who was with San Francisco last year, all of his former teammates, everyone that was around Colin Kaepernick last year while he was kneeling for the anthem, saying that this dude came to work every single day and put in the work. And two... If your concern is we haven't talked to him about it, then grow up, act like a real professional organization, a real professional business, and conduct an interview. It's garbage. It's an excuse. It's lame. It's not valid. It's hiding from the fact that you don't want to sign the guy who took a knee for the anthem. You don't want that PR hit. Because being neutral here is the safest. Oh, well, we you know, we support Collins' ability to uh the, the Collins place in the league, which just we don't want our team to be there. We 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 like we don't need him. That's way easier than oh, we're interested, but we don't really want to sign. Like just keep your name disattached. Because then you're not ticking off the group of fans that really passionately wants to see him sign, or the group of fans that really passionately don't. It's a cop out. And no team's willing to take that quote-unquote risk. I think it's bogus. It bothers me.
2: I'm expressing with my full
0: Often show on the fan. We end like we do every week. Real things real people said into real microphones. I'm going to start with a quote that was, I don't know when Joel Embiid said this, But it came up yesterday when the Sixers signed J.J. Redick, who, A, can shoot, and B, is white. And someone tweeted this saying Joel Embiid's going to shoot 40% this season. Why? Quote from Joel Embiid. You know how I learned to shoot? I just watched white people. Just regular white people. They really put their elbow in and finish up top. You can find videos of them online. I wonder if one of those people was J.J. Redick. Here's a fun fact on J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick is one of two players in NBA history since they started the measurements of the draft combine to be drafted in the first round and like play and have a career uh, where his wingspan was not longer than his height. Two players. That's it. J.J. Redick and Yao Ming. Yao kind of made up for the wingspan thing by being super tall. JJ was just that good of a shooter slash is that good of a shooter. That's why Philadelphia signed him to a $23 million deal. All right. As for the audio portion of real things, real people said into real microphones, uh, Paul George, this is another throwback, uh, edition of audio here. He was on mean tweets a couple of, I think it was about a year ago with Jimmy Kimmel, uh, who does the mean tweets thing. And you know, around NBA, probably during the NBA finals. And, uh, he might have actually foreshadowed his own trade.
2: Personally, I think Paul George could be traded for like half a bag of Saltine crackers.
0: <laughs> and and then he was traded for Victor Oladipo and Demonis Sabonis, which is a slightly fancier cracker. Right? Like, it's not... Like, they're they're good. Like, pick... Saltines are, are like, boring... And I think Sabonis and Oladipo are slightly better. Pack maybe maybe some crackers and cheese. Are they? They're like a
1: Ritz level.
0: I was thinking like if it was Ritz. Like I just like feel like Ritz is still fairly mundane. Like they're good. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that is a problem. I don't know. I don't really know what a deluxe cracker looks like though. Yeah, I was being... trying
1: to think of something better than Ritz. I got nothing.
0: Yeah, I got I got nothing. A Triscuit.
1: Triscuits are good. Tris- you, you Triscuits a, Trisc- a level above above. You know, know
0: what Ritz. makes Triscuits special? You can put meat and cheese on them and microwave them? You
1: ever done that before? I I know what I'm doing later.
0: Yeah, uh teenage teenage Craig Hoffman who got home from high school and was hungry and was wanted snacks that were easy. Here here's a good here's a good snack for your July 4th picnic. Okay? Get get a little meat, a little cheese, melt it, a little salsa on top. You're welcome. Did you know you could microwave Triscuits? Now you do. Uh, also real things, real people said in real microphones. I just said that into a microphone and I'm a real person. That's, that's a real thing. Um, let's stick with the humor element and then we'll get to the good Kobe Bryant sound. Uh, Pierre Maguire, right? That's his name. I, yeah. Pierre Maguire, uh, yeah. the hockey, the hockey guy, uh, you see on NBC in between the glass. Let's go down to Pierre between the glass. Uh, he was in, on a studio set. In Canada, on TSN, which is like ESPN in Canada, they even have Sports Center, where they spell it Center, C-E-N-T-R-E, because they're Canadian, eh? What are you talking about? Um, Pierre Maguire was on set for their free agency special, and somehow they they started talking about ESPN's body issue and which one of his cohorts there on the set would be a good fit. and And perhaps not a good fit, and yes, that's a pun.
1: Uh, if, if the last question was there are all good answers, this question, I don't know if there's any ones, but Pierre, you can pick one. I'm going with my comrade, Jeff O'Neill. <laughs> and the biggest reason why, there's so much to see. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't find a hockey stick big enough to protect That's the girth. That's right. Whoa! So I think it'd be awesome. Wow. Oh, wow. You got a, little, I see. You got a little
2: personal there.
0: Whoa. Whoa. Family show why we do this before noon not everyone's out of church yet moving on kobe bryant uh you would think he would have the bryce harper take on participation trophies right they're dumb they're terrible they're the worst here's kobe bryant talking about participation trophies
2: my kids are playing basketball right came in fourth place yep in the tournament and so they were like disappointed and so we're getting ready to leave it and says fine you guys play hard you know you try. And they said no you guys have to stay for the ceremony what ceremony Or you, oh, you guys get fourth place trophies you get what <laughs> that exists yeah so all the kids were like disappointed we don't want a fourth place trophy you know and i said well listen you get the fourth place trophy you go home yeah. you take the fourth place trophy you put it up right where you can see it and when you wake up in the morning you look at the trophy and you remind yourself of what you'll never win again yeah yeah
0: That's pretty good. I like that from Kobe. Kobe also said in that interview, it's important that we teach uh, kids, specifically kids, not grown folks. College kids don't need participation trophies. Adults don't need participation trophies. That's me uh, editorializing. But Kobe said, it's important that we teach kids the importance of showing up and having fun and, and learning to enjoy the process, which I love. That's what I said when everyone wanted to it was, it was a race. People were tripping over themselves to applaud Bryce Harper shouting down participation trophies. No, they're kids. Teach them that there's value in showing up and working hard. And then there's even more value in winning because you show up and work hard, and eventually that results in winning. So I like Kobe's take there. Hey, if you're upset, okay, you your work produced this. Remind yourself, and then see if your work can produce something else. I like that from from Kobe Bean Bryant. This I don't know what to make of. (laughs) Ricky Stenhouse Jr, congrats! You won the Coca-Cola 400. Let's go to you for an interview. Woo! America, 1776, we are the champs! What? Play it again. Woo! America, 1776, we are the champs. He sounds
1: hammered. It sounds like Bud Light or whatever beer of choice that Ricky Stenhouse drinks. It sounds like he jumped into the pool after he said that.
0: Yeah. What? What? Woo! America, 1776. We are the champs. Yep, we we won that war. All right, Ricky. Congrats on your win. That'll do for part one of the Best of Podcast. You can check out part two with all of the interviews coming up, well, whenever you want. It's a podcast. You can listen on demand. Both of them are available right now. I could have made this part two, and you would have never known the difference. Train with the Best Podcast is out as well. Be sure to check out that. And then big news, by the way, we will have Derek Carr, quarterback of the Oakland Raiders, on our show Friday. So make sure you are subscribed to the Train with the Best Podcast as well. All right. If you've listened to part two already, you're done with me for the week. If you've only listened to this, go to that one right now. Do it. Everybody run.